0: If you asked, you know, what are the five greatest brands in the world? If you asked you went out and you asked professionals this question, you know, I think Nike would be on everybody's list, Coca-Cola would be on everybody's list, Disney would be on everybody's list, and Apple would be on everybody's
1: list. This is Tattoos Not Brands, a podcast that explores how we as marketers can give meaning to our products and services without conforming ourselves to a rigid set of rules or copying the status quo.
0: Every episode, we're talking to different marketing experts to understand the choice of a tattoo or the imposition of a brand. Let's get started. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Before we get started, Clint, we know that this podcast is inspired by a book that you wrote called Tattoos Not Brands. Why don't you share with the audience why you wrote the book?
1: Sure. It's taken ten years, so I've I've had definitely ample time to think about the underpinnings and the the rationale, and it comes from having in marketing and management for around thirty years, and finding this consistent plot point in all my work with clients, where their goals tend to be as to be articulated as I want to become a brand, I want to build a brand, I want to grow a brand, even if it's a small arts organization or, you know, a small cap, mid cap company, startup, whatever, it's a real consistent thing. And I, I got to thinking that a brand isn't always exactly what you want to be when you're something that's not ubiquitous or something that you're, that's not global or something that's that's not capitalized in a way that will allow it to become top of mind for the world.
0: Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. It absolutely does. And I have to say that, you know, why I decided to join you on this quest <laughs> of tattoos, not brands, is that over my last two decades of advising startups and founders and decision makers at various organizations, and from small to midsize, the my role as the strategist or the manager or director of that brand of that of that organization is to create that narrative and that story for them. And there is a challenge or disconnect between the new emerging company and enterprise and trying to exactly mimic the existing brands of today. And when those brands started in those time periods, it's very different from the landscape that we have today. So I love this idea of empowering these decision makers and stakeholders and how they can use their own unique narratives to really cut through the noise.
1: That's fantastic and I'm very, very grateful that you're in this with me. The whole goal is to to banter, to debate to, to discuss the reasons why decisions should be made about tattoos, brands, and whether you're best served by marketing inside or outside the lines or some combination of both. I think I'm lucky to have had sort of unusual career in that the first 10 years of my work was in arts, culture, and education marketing, where you often have amazing content and amazing ideas and amazing artists and amazing things that go in front of the public, but you tend not to have the resources, the money, the the capitalization that it takes to become ubiquitous or, or top of mind. Then the next 10 years I worked at a at a mid-size advertising agency in midtown Manhattan and learned that trade, which is fantastic and something that really suited me well and gave me the confidence and the the instincts to start my own agency, which was more of a boutique sort of hybrid of, of full service, but focused very much on media and how do we go to market. How do we tell stories? Mm-hmm. I really started to put the concepts of that I write about into play in those in the last twelve years or so, working with arts, culture, education, advocacy, NGOs, and whatnot, as well as startups, um, small and mid cut businesses, and any really ambitious organization. So I'm going to be bringing that to the table. And what about you? What, awesome. what, what type of clients and what type of verticals? I know the answer to this, but (laughs) with our audience,
0: yeah, yeah. I would say I joke because I call myself the accidental consultant because of what is anything I started off thinking I was going to do or looking to do. But I really enjoy storytelling, and when I would meet a founder or a decision maker within a company, I would share ideas just freely share ideas based on what their goals and missions are, and and then that would turn into a project, a new project. Um, but one of my most memorable early, early projects was working with the federal government. They were launching a healthy baby campaign and they needed help in creating everything from the messaging to the visuals to identifying the ambassador for the program, creating the ads and, that they would be using for the campaigns. So being a part of that team was so enlightening, one working with a government agency, but two, just really from the ground up creating this impactful story that was so important to get out there to the masses to help reduce death rates among infants within the African-American community. And that then, you know, spanned to other startups in the fashion space, tech space, another really memorable experience is working with the largest privately owned art gallery in the world. And they had such a unique business model. They were actually the only company doing what they were doing uh, in terms of how they sold art and how they approached their audience. And I was brought on to help manage the brand and help launch their company into China. And again, when you're looking at competing In a space where you don't have direct competitors in terms of your business model, but you have very large competitors within the space of art sales, that was a really interesting journey. You know, all the way to my current space that I'm very involved in, which is Web3 and which is the future of the internet. So think of what the internet is going to evolve into and working with a variety of startups and creators across the board from DAOs to metaverse worlds to artists that are bringing NFTs to light. So it's my background is varied, and I think this is going to be exciting as we explore the differences between what a tattoo is and what a brand is and the benefits of both. I am really curious on why the word tattoo, right? Like it's brand is very sticky. Everyone knows what a brand is. And now we're saying, no, not brands. You don't want to be a brand, you want to be a tattoo. Tell me how, when did, how, you know, like talk to me about that. Sure. I I don't think people actually think
1: about what brands are, honestly. Mm, Okay. You know, brands are the process of taking a piece of iron and heating it to thousand degrees and burning it, burning an impression on the the skin of an animal generally. Mm. That's what it is. And that's, it's, some might call it a necessity for agriculture or for for the delineating who owns what and that's it's important to know that and it's not to say that it's a dirty word or anything it just it's a real thing it's a real process that does have a level of brutality about it i think it's a metaphor for the choice that you're making when you're asking for that level of imposition in somebody's life doesn't mean that it's bad when you have to sneeze, it's great to have a Kleenex. That's a true brand. Right? Obviously, the ones that come to mind very often are, like our introduction says, Nike, Disney, Apple. Those are all very well-known things that have a huge part of the market share. But what I'm, And I think what you're interested in is generally the things that don't have household names, the things that are very important to people because they matter to them in a way that allows them to have a relationship and that you feel like you have a mutually respectful relationship with the things that Mm -hmm. that resonate with you in your life some you know it can be anything from clothes to technology to housewares to beauty they're all choices that you're making and they Tend to come from categories that have lots of options. So the tattoo approach is about choice. Yeah, you have the flexibility of making a choice of what you put on your body into your ecosystem, and you make choices about how you show that or don't show that, or to whom you show it, or whom you talk about it, or compare. So those flexibility, the ability to articulate your personality through the choices you make as a consumer, as well, as how you feel about it really is the guiding principle of being a tattoo versus a brand.
0: Mm-hmm. I love how you describe that, how you made the direct comparison to what a tattoo is to the individual when they're choosing to one get a tattoo, <laughs> but then also going through that experience of, okay, what is that imprint that I'm going to put on my body?" And that's a very personal choice, and you can pick and choose from a variety of things. And so when you bring that over into the world of business, I think that's really powerful. It made me think of a project that I worked on with the city of Newark. And when Newark is right outside the New York City lines, right? So you think of the brand New York City, (laughs) and then you think of Newark. And how do you stand out being so close to this mammoth of a brand? and Newark had a really fascinating history once upon a time and it currently is creating a very intriguing new history and so it was looking at those two dichotomies and bringing them together to create a narrative around the renaissance of Newark, where it did not have to directly compete with new york city and i think that like you said the flexibility the personalization the personality Bringing that forth, I think, is really important.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think the you're hitting on a point that's that I write about a lot, which is you can't focus on something if you don't have a clear articulation of your goal. The natural inclination of something like Newark would be to say, oh, well, we're in the shadow of, of New York City. Yes, you are in one way, but if you lens it a different way and... and Understand the segmentation of why somebody should care about that, you can be set free for, of the idea that you have to be competing. You don't have to be competing, you have to be just focusing. So I'm glad you said that, but I also want to ask you about something that you, I know you have you know, massive level of experience in, which is fashion. Mm-hmm. I find that, that designers are among the most often using the term brand. And the whether it's somebody just starting out or Ralph Lauren or the real the real true brands where if you walk down a street in any town in the United States, eight out of ten people would know what that is, and probably I guess Ralph Lauren might fit there, but it, what do you is there a reason for that or
0: well, I will have to say. <laughs> That when I started my journey as a designer, I was one of the ones saying, "I want to be the next Ralph Lauren, Chanel, fill in the blank, Dior," and it was an inspiration to be able to reach that height of notoriety where everyone knew your name. You know, as a designer, part of part of the love of the craft is being able to help someone express themselves, and when you're brand, when your name is being able to word of mouth carry to say, oh, just get a polo shirt or what have you. And then you've succeeded in touching many, many lives through your work, through your fashion, through your wares. And so I know at least during my era, and this is with social media, there's many, many tattoos and influencers that are only looking at being tattoos from the conceptual standpoint. But prior to these new tools, it was all about who's the next Calvin Klein? Who's the next Ralph Lauren, Who's the next Gucci? Who's the next Marc Jacobs? And the industry also was driving that point. They wanted to find these names because when you find that that whoever's taking the mantle, they're inspiring the next generation and they're inspiring the commerce. And so I think that was something that was very ingrained in designers. You know, I came through the Fashion Institute of Technology. It's really just in the last few years, especially in the last couple of years, where I've aligned with the mindset of a tattoo. And even though in my consulting and advising, that was my strategy without even knowing that was my strategy, but with my own personal brands, I've realized the power of that flexibility, and really letting that the, the niche of the niche cut through the noise, and then really leading with that.
1: Okay, so the the point that you make is a really good one. So it's it's about an articulation of ambition. Being a brand is an ambition because it's related to the heroes. It's it's, it's related to the those who have achieved notoriety and and made really beautiful things or really interesting things right so so that i don't want anyone to lose ambition or feel like this message is is saying lower your standards lower your ambitions because it's really it's not that and i I definitely want to make that point before we go any further but i think the one of the the parables or analogies that i try to Used when when talking about the idea of tattoos, not brands, is the the world of acting and movies. Right? Mm-hmm. Sure, every actor wants to be a movie star. Let's just say it like it is. Right? That's
0: <laughs> everyone wants the Oscar. <laughs> everyone
1: wants the Oscar, right? And and the mathematical and statistical analysis of that says that your chances are slim to none for that happening. Which is also sounds like Debbie Downer, but it's not. It's just in the business world, it's better to understand that you have, if you have focus and if you have a sense of the steps that it takes to get to the next level, you will almost always stay on course and and build something to the point at which it has viability and sustainability in in the, the ecosystem.
0: I agree. I agree.
1: Yeah, perhaps we'll get to, but the level of Ralph Lauren or Dior, Chanel, sure. And if that's what you want, great. But it it should not be the business plan.
0: Mm, well stated. I love how you said. Well, of course, focus jumped out at me. And then just your last point with, if you have that focus, if you have the flexibility, if you've zeroed in on the true core of the personality of your idea and your mission and your goal around the product or service that you're putting forth, you can be one of the ones that hits that mathematical formula, right? You can be come the, the Oscar winner or the Chanel. Dreams you come true. Yeah. There's no doubt. Absolutely. Right. That greens are not a business plan. Right. Yeah. Because if you study the history of any of these brands, like the Chanel's of the world or the Brad Pitt's of the world. It was a very narrow focused path in the beginning that then opened up into this. Right. They became the brand. They didn't start off as the brand, right? Like everyone. That's
1: what, yes. <laughs> right. That's something we're going to be dealing with in these episodes. And I think the, our audience can take one thing away from it. It's, I'm certainly not saying that brands are bad or tattoos, good brands, bad. That's not my, message. My goal is to give options and to give flexibility and relief from the myopic idea that either you're a brand or you're you suck.
0: (laughs) Right. And I think that so you had mentioned the superhero when you were just speaking and how, you know, yes, the the names, the Kleenexes and the apples become the superhero for the entrepreneurs that are coming up with those next innovations. It's what's inspiring. They're kind of guiding and leading the way. However, when that also made me think of the tattoo as being a superhero right now, like you as a tattoo are a superhero to your customer right now as a tattoo. And what comes to mind are influencers. So I remember what, remember the early days of YouTube. And you have, of course, traditional Hollywood and film and television, and then you had a YouTube. And in the beginning, it was like, oh, oh, YouTube, oh, okay, you're a YouTube star or you're a YouTube vlogger, and and these tattoos, these influencers weren't seen on par with Hollywood. They were almost kind of looked down on, but it didn't stop them from taking this tool and finding their audience and just driving. Home to their audience. And what happened was you had those breakouts like the Jake Pauls and Mr. Beast that became household names. They are household names, they became brands. And then they inspired the next generation of YouTube influencers, but they knew their audience. They weren't looking to be the Brad Pitts or the George Clooney's or whoever that A list actor is of the moment they said hey here's a cool tool i can create my own video i can have an audience and i'm off to the races and whatever what that niche that they had and it was that very very focused strategy that allowed them to become the household name of today so i think influencers are a perfect example of the tattoo strategy versus the brand strategy yeah that's such a good
1: point wow i like that that makes me think of having gone to VidCon right before the pandemic and and really having my eyes open to Mm -hmm. what's going on with that ecosystem. And I think the differentiation for me is that you really can earn as much money as you can hustle and you can do it all yourself. So you don't need the variable of distribution has been completely revolutionized where you don't need a network or you don't need need an executive to green light your content you just you need an audience so i I agree that that's definitely a brand building formula that is driven clearly just by the combination of joy and the ability to make as much money as you can
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And that in and of itself is inspiring. And I think that's the whole point, right? Why you decided to write the book, Tattoos Not Brands, why you're sharing this and we're we're sharing this concept to the world. And I love how you pointed out, it's not that brands, being a brand, becoming a brand, is not a bad thing, right? I mean, I've been doing brand advising and consulting for 20 years. It's not a bad thing. I still have aspirations of being able to impact a large number of people with the products I put out there. But in order to get there, you have to start here. And here is around focus, personalization, flexibility, you know, niching down to what makes you special and being okay with that and doing that unapologetically. Yep. So this is a great time, Clint, for us to wrap up our introductory episode to tattoos, not brands. And really excited for our upcoming episodes where we bring on marketers, where we debate, is this a tattoo? Is this a brand? And then explore this concept even further. And so again, I am your co-host, Nova Lorraine.
1: And I'm your co-host, Clint White.
0: And this is Tattoos Not Brands. And you could find us on all your favorite podcast platforms. Until next time, ciao. Bye.